just checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing, but get good at your craft first and put your budget to things that really matter at the end of the day. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it, if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. <laughs> and we've all seen it. <laughs> Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, empowerment through self-reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Okay, happy Thursday, and ironically enough, we're actually recording on a Thursday because the last couple of weeks have been kind of a training bender for me. I've been out of town, and you were out of town, Jason, and I think we finally have settled down for a week or so. Nah, let's not go there yet. <laughs> so where were you at? You were in Florida. I was. I got a time on a fishing boat. Now, that's relaxing. 118 degrees... 10,000% humidity. A captain who yells at you all the time and makes you his first mate. Yeah, that's yeah, relaxing. Uh, you know, everybody raise a glass. New Capitan. So while you were off doing that, I uh, sat my happy ass in a car for 18 hours, I think, and drove to Farmington, Missouri, of all places. And that sounds fun. It, it, it does, but have I was... Have you been to Farmington, Missouri? I have not. I didn't <laughs> lose that bet. Fun is totally not how I describe oh. Farmington. Uh, it was it was a good time. I, I went over there. Uh, Kevin Dixie of No Other Choice Training uh, invited me to come out and teach carbine at his event. It was his annual train-to-learn event that he does every Memorial weekend. So let me get this straight. I know Kevin. I like Kevin. But Kevin is no other choice training, and he brings in another choice to train. Yep. Okay, just thought I'd get that. <laughs> no, it was a good time. I, I went and trained, and, and one of the things he asked me when I when I first went out there, he said, you know, we've been doing this for several years now, and and everybody kind of comes out and gives this almost the same training. Because it's, it, it's set up, it's a, it's it's an event. So you've got four or five different instructors teaching block instruction, and and the groups rotate around, and everybody gets 90 minutes with the instructor. So they got carbine, they got pistol from Trayvon Barber, um, Barber Shooting. There was uh, USCCA was out there promoing their new medical class. So Mike was out there teaching that. And... Uh, we had Matt of Meet the Pressers teaching uh, less lethal and combative skills. All right. So you had a barber teaching shooting skills. <laughs> you had USCCA teaching medical. Mm-hmm. Have they gotten rid of the tampon mantra? Yes. Okay. Thankfully. And you got some dude teaching less lethal combat skills. Yes. Okay. I'm um, tracking now. <laughs> no, every, every everybody that was there that was teaching was top of their game, did extremely well. Uh, I heard several comments that it was it was the best training that, that it, they'd ever had at that event. All right, good. 
How many people were there? I believe there were 60. Wow, good group. So, All right. Yeah, it was a good group. We were we were running through in, in groups of about 15. Um, the the groups that I had were all, you know, for, for the most part, good shooters in their own right. But I, I was doing barricades and transitioning from left to right, which threw a lot of people off because people really don't practice that. It's the Zoolander mantra. Mm-hmm. They can't go left. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's all right. We played NASCAR. Oh, perfect. It's always left. But, uh, no, it, you know, and it, it, it was the typical. You see people getting tangled up in their gear and, and not quite trying to figure it out. And and I, I remember yelling a lot of stop trying to look through the optic with your right eye when you're shooting left-handed. Um, that was a good one. Oddly enough, though, my, my last crew of the day, my last group of the day, they were supposed to be my elite shooters. And I know most of the guys that were in there, and they're all good shooters. But at the end of that block, I had to sit every da- everybody down and say, okay, guys, we need to have a discussion about height over bore and mechanical offset because they put more holes in my barricades than the rest of the groups combined. So how does one get categorized and separated from the rest of the group as an elite shooter? They raise their hand. Yep. I'm a pro shooter. <laughs> That's right. Wow. They, they got the they all showed up with the bucket of gear from Armageddon. And now they're an elite shooter. Now they're, now they're pro shooters. <clears throat> Just uh, for the listeners out there, that's not how that works. <laughs> no. It, 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 I mean, all of them were good shooters. I got to give them that. Like I said, I know almost everybody was in that group, and they're all good shooters in their own right. But it was the end of the day. I think it was like 630 uh, in the evening. It was the end of the day. Everybody was hot. Everybody was tired. Those guys came in, and it was fun. It was mag dump time for them. Mag dump time. Pretty much. So we're not doing with marksmanship skills anymore. Actually, they I mean they kept rounds on target, so I got to give them that. All right. Now, okay. I, Even through the barricade? Yeah. That, okay, so they were keyholing. <laughs> but they shot your barricade. Yeah. Going to get you some Band-Aids for your barricade. I, I, oh, I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put all a bunch of Band-Aids on it, take a picture, and send it to all of them. Okay, so we now don't need to make the angry bumblebee band-aid kit. <laughs> we do, but in the meantime, if I look really hard in my pantry, I think I have some bacon ones. Perfect. That's funny. Well, you know, we have a granddaughter now. What do we have like some princess ones? No, because she's not accident prone like you. Yet. <laughs> Give her time. <laughs> Give her time. <laughs> but no, it was, it was a good time. Uh a lot of new friends made, a lot of new skills developed. Uh, talked a lot about marketing a lot. Can they go left now? I would say 50%. Half left. Hmm. I'm not sure how that <laughs> half, works. Half left. But uh, one, of the, one of the things that I learned out of this, and, and we always talk about this, how you, you, you learn almost more from your students than they learn from you. One of the big takeaways with this was, in a 90-minute block of instruction, and we were doing the, what would be considered a pretty advanced skill, right? Uh, most of my students were shooting somewhere between 30 and 45 rounds in 90 minutes. A lot of them didn't even have to make a mag change for the entire block of instruction. All right. But they walked away going, I've never done that before. And now I feel like I can, I, I at least know how to get my rifle to my left side now. So... You did an elite course, did not deal with a mag change or a malfunction, 
made them go left, and they shot your barricade. Yep. Got it. <laughs> but they kept rounds on target. They kept rounds on target. All right, so who was in this course? Uh, and don't give me names necessarily. We don't need to throw anybody under the bus. But, I mean, what background walks of life did they come from? Most of these guys you would probably recognize from the firearms industry. They're either trainers or they're marketers or they're podcasters or uh, they sell guns. Uh, they sell, you know, any any facet of what you can find in the gun industry. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and guys that you were probably familiar with. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I, I just find it fascinating that you did a, an entire course in 30 rounds with an elite crew, <clears throat> and you used the word mag dump. Well, he did have to pick up parts of the barricade, so there's some time spent. Yeah, no littering. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but, I mean, so... If I read the internet correctly, and I don't always do that quite well, but if I do, an elite course is a high round count course. I, I, I've, I've read that too. And why? It, number one, okay, number one, what makes it, what, what's, what's defined as, as a high round count, number one, and what more are you getting by putting that much more brass on the ground? Well, if there's lead in the air, there's a chance, right? Right. I mean, a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. <sighs> That's a lucky squirrel. But is that an elite course? I don't know that it necessarily is. I think judicious marksmanship and honing your tactical skills makes it an elite course. Right. And that's what I that's what I thought when I put this thing together. I knew from previous events, and, and 50% of the people that were there had been to at least one previous event. I knew the kind of training that they had had just from this event. I didn't have to explain what the dangerous end was. They've been through that part. Well, with that said alone, you did have an elite crew. I did have an elite I crew. I have been on the range with several people, um, up into the hundreds of people, and there's always two or three guys in class that has never handled their firearm before. It's spooky. I did not have any of those. Everybody there had previous experience with firearms. All right. Uh, now, that's not to say that they were elite, but it, most of them, what I was teaching with the barricades and with, with transitions, they just hadn't had exposure to that part of it. Well, aren't they supposed to walk away an expert if you're teaching an elite class? No, I have been told that once. Um, one, It was a one-day carbine class that I taught what, for two or three years ago, and, and I got an, it, we got a nasty gram. About a week later, it, somebody was upset because, you know, out of an eight-hour carbine class, people that walked in there that had never even shot a carbine before didn't come out experts. No, that wasn't just a nasty gram. You taught that course for the NRA. And they sent that letter to the NRA, griping about the instruction. Hmm. Um, yeah, it doesn't work that way, folks. You yeah. have to spend some time. Really, are you ever an expert? Isn't there always room for improvement? Always. I'm not. Always. I'm not an expert. I shoot a lot. That Duh. doesn't mean I'm good at it. <laughs> I I I, re I defer to you most of the time when I when I'm having trouble. I get your advice, or at least I hear it in the back of my head. You told it in the same place every time. That's because I hit you with it. Yeah. <laughs> She's not wrong. No. 
No, she's not. Now, one of the fun things that you guys did while I was away is you got Brandy's Rifle kind of tuned in and, and ready to go for an upcoming match. We did go and play at the range a little bit. She has a brand new 6.5 PRC and a chassis that's quite an exceptional rifle. The trigger on it, um, I think it was like 93 pounds when we started out. Uh, a little bit stiff, kind of an inhibitor, but I think we've got that lightened up. We need to get you to back of the range and confirm all that, though. Yeah, I would like to totally shoot it a few times before going to a competition. <laughs> I mean, Poppycock. Right. That's not even <laughs> something you should do. I mean, I've sighted in at the match. You should shoot it. <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. So we've got that coming up, and then... Uh, so that's what the the ELR match in Glenrock. Yes. All right, so you're going to reach a little bit further than we were shooting the other day. I know. The targets that you had set out, that's my low end of the targets at the competition. Yeah, so you, you, that one strike you put on 1,000 yards is where you're going to start. Yeah. Okay. Out to 25? I, I've, I've heard rumors of 26, but I, I, I can't confirm anything. We should see a matchbook sometime in the next week. It'll be great. I'll be Kentucky windage. Well, Glenrock is known for its airflow, so mm-hmm. go prepared. Yeah, you aim at Shoshone and hit a target somewhere in Glenrock. Got it. That that's exactly how that works. Um, I think I think last year, maybe it wasn't last year, the year before, they were clocking sixty-five mile an hour winds on the course. That's got to be eight mils at least. And did you check out the rain for that weekend? No, I haven't looked that far ahead because I don't want to know right now. Glenrock's in a hole, so if they flood, we might want to bring arm floaties. Uh, we won't be in. We won't actually be in Glenrock. We'll be on a ranch up just to the north of it. So we're out of out of the hole. Yeah, we're out of the hole. Okay, so that helps. Now it, it, that doesn't mean that's not where my score is going to be, but that's a whole another topic. So bring arm floaties for your score. Yes. Okay. Yes. I will. Just take a different mindset. Treat it like golf. I'm just going to have fun. But I can't drink while I'm on the course. That's the difference. And we can't have golf carts. The, no, yeah. The landowner said something about uh, we all have to walk the entire match. Oh, that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. That'll be great. I have him as a pack horse. I was time. just thinking that. I'm going to have to pack everything. <laughs> as so you should. <laughs> what do you think you're for? Uh, the list is never ending. Don't answer that. And it keeps getting added to. Don't, so that's a trap. Don't answer that. Well, that's 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 my survival tactics. Well, see, it keeps getting added to because you never complete anything, so the list does get longer instead of shorter. I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. There's there's part of that as a survival skill. Don't ever finish the honey-do list and don't ever get out of debt. You're, I'll live forever. Interesting theory. I'm going to sit back and watch and see how that folds <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she'll bury you for too long. She's tried once, tried to f- drown me. I have a backhoe now. Right. Then she'll help people look for you. Right, right. Put a fence post on top of me. and I don't know where he went. So one of the interesting things that came up... Um, I, w- I was able to talk to a lot of new people and show people that had never even considered the concept some of your new blue optics. Yeah, so we have embraced um, blue illumination on an aiming point for probably six years now on a couple of our SKUs. 
Um, and the more you work with the hue of blue, the, the more it starts to make sense. So I started doing the research and the math and the, the working on the science of how the human brain interacts with that color. And the more I got into it, the more it made sense, um, both from a mechanical side of things as well as a interaction from a human side of things. So we've been adding it to anything we illuminate. We've been pushing into that color. We have some things coming mid to late summer that are going to quite possibly, most definitely, be industry's firsts. Um, We've been working on it for quite a while now, and we finally got it right. Um, but that's how we do things. We we tinker at them and ask our customers and show them and ask our customers and have our customers show us, and then we shake it all out, and what's possible, we actually bring the market. Well, I know a, a lot of people got a chance to look through that P8, and most of them agree with Mike DeSargo that it should have been named the Harry Potter 8. It does a couple of things optically that's a little different than most prismatics. Um, typically, when you have a magnification up over two, um, this one is going to be in four, you end up with a exit pupil and an eye relief limitation. Um, we were able to leverage a little bit of science and some lens coatings and some specialty lens materials to where the eye relief is incredibly forgiving. The exit pupil is Daddy Warbucks generous. What that does on a firearms platform, though, is allow you to engage something with magnification without having to change your shooter discipline on a carbine, still maintaining your situational awareness, your peripheral vision with both eyes open, and not having a static jump from one optic size to another from a perception standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's a lot of cursive words for it's magic. But the P8 will be here in the next few or four days. Um, production's ready. So when you see them at your retailers, gobble them up, take a look at them, um, and then shoot them for a while. Then call me. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think. Because if it sucks, tell me that. If it doesn't suck, I want to hear that too. And make sure you call him and not my line. I don't need that kind of... Extension one? No. <laughs> no. Anybody that reaches out on the podcast here, I'll give my cell phone number too. How's that? Ooh. Now, you say that now. What happens when we have 10,000 followers? Uh, I guess I'll be a busy mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, that P8 did... It, it, it turned some heads. And for the reasons that you describe, that... That magnified optic should not work like that when you're running it both eyes open, but it does. Mm-hmm. And it, there, there is some magic behind that a little bit. I, I kind of understand how you did it, and I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but it, it works. It just flat works. And from a shooter perspective, somebody that, that wants that little bit of magnification but doesn't want to go the LPVO route because they don't want anything that big, this is a solution, and it's a solution that some of my guys on the range got a chance to actually experience what the solution is for, and that was, you know, most of our targets we were running at 25 yards. We did have a couple of gongs out there at about 150, and everybody running red dots kind of struggled with that. That little extra bit of magnification does help, 
But true to our fashion at Lucid Optics, reticle design also helps. You can do the 10 to 15 feet in mechanical offset management and then reach with it without too much adjustment whatsoever. Oh, we've done it. The whole we, we proved it out. That's why it's got my name on the side of it. Now, one of the one of the really fun things that we got a chance to do, we uh, the the place where we had all this at is a place called Rob's Guns, and he's in Leddington, and he's got like a little arcade thing next door that he also owns and operates. And upstairs from this is a laser tag. Interesting. Okay. Well, we uh, we took it over and set some targets up in there, and Mantis was there. And we set up some rifles with their Blackbeard system and ran an AR course through the laser tag facility. Oh, nice. Um, Gamer. Yeah, well, I was proud of myself. I set the bar. He didn't go in the out that day. Oh, no, I went in the out. But I got to, I, they they had me run it because, uh, of course, they pulled me aside and go, hey, you're the carbine guy, right? Cool. You're going to set the standard for this course. So walking into it blind, not knowing where any of the targets or anything, I, I, I didn't even know how, t- how many targets there were. I, I walk into this thing, and 22 seconds later, I had a 92% accuracy rate on five targets. All right. Well done. And that set the bar. And later on, I got a chance to do it again, knowing where everything is at, and pulled another 93 in 17 seconds. Did you get to do it again because somebody beat your time, or you just wanted to run it? They wanted to film it. Oh, got it. So nobody beat your time? Uh, I think somebody got my accuracy, and somebody got my time, but nobody beat both. Okay, fair enough. Got to have something. Would you like a ribbon? Yes. Damn it. Participation profit. <laughs> well, it sounds like you did more than participate. No, it was fun. But I and that was the first time and I I, I kind of bring that up because that was the first time I got a chance to really play with the the Manus systems. Now what did you run on the Manus system? You had what your carbine? Uh no, it was uh Tactical Life was there okay. and and they brought they brought plenty of carbines and we we just hooked one of those up with the Manus. Okay. And there was I believe it was a Hollow Sun red dot on it. Well, Oof. green. Blasphemy. I know, right? I don't. I don't pick the sponsors. So they sponsored. Uh, no, Hollow Sun did not. Primary Arms was a sponsor. Ah. Did they see my P eight? I don't think they got a chance to. Hmm. Good. Um, I did take a one, take a look at one of their LPVOs. It was a uh, one to eight. First focal plane mill. Okay. Um. So uh, help me out here. What's the mindset between a low-power variable optic, first vocal plane, and mills? You are not going to dial this. You are not going to engage targets super far out. You're, at best, going to need to mill a target for motion. Right. So what reticle was in this thing? I, I The Christmas tree. It was not a Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, thank God. I mean, it was, it was straight up and down, but it, will, it was mill-metered. Now, I didn't have a chance to try and calibrate it or do any of that. It was the, as far as I knew, it was one of the only, like, it was one of a very low number in existence at this point. So it's a new offering. Right. And and at first focal plane, how was the reticle presentation on one? Small. Tiny? 
Uh, pretty tiny. Can you use it? A lot of the Not, one to eights, one to tens you're seeing on the market, if they're first focal plane, the reticle is so tiny. It looks like a flaw in the lens. It looks like a speck. No, there there was still a reticle there because the lines do. They they run the reticle, you know. They they run the magnification range. Now you can't read any of it, but there's something still there. So your aiming point's still clear, and you have a definite hold. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, good. Um, at that point, though, it looks like the old fine duplex crosshairs, though. Okay, all right. Kind of defeats the purpose of a fast acquisition reticle. Yeah, it was illuminated, but I did not have a battery in it. I mean, every fast acquisition reticle I've ever looked at that makes sense is large because you need to get on target quickly. You're not doing precision shots. Um, so first focal plane on a one that gets the reticle so small is anti-user methodology. Right. And and I don't know that they're I don't know that they're pushing this as like a tactical scope so much as is a hunting purpose. In which one, in the one day, okay. Yeah, which which might which made more sense to me, okay. Uh, because there you do need a little bit more precision. You have a little bit more time to get your shot. Typically, the, the whole idea behind a a low power variable optic is that you can have the same functionality as a reflex sight and the one magnification. One optically means none, right? So fast acquisition, um, close quarters typically. If you're going to be reaching out further in distance, typically the magnification comes up, and that's where they become very versatile and very handy. But both eyes open, no distortion, usable reticle on the low power. If you don't do that right, you're missing the whole intent behind a low power variable optic. Right. Um, but to, to circle back, because I do, I do want to give a shout-out to Mantis. Um, they were... They were quite generous to me and i left with one of their blackbeard systems as well as a mantis x toys i like it um once i really got a chance to to kind of play with them a little bit and see how they worked and and how it bluetooth into your phone and everything and and what you can really do with them i i've seen some of these before and i think you have one one of their older models i do and i like it the the capability and the data, the the data that you can get out of these newer models, is breathtaking. They can diagnose shooter bad habits that maybe an instructor can't see. You can't see because they can diagnose things in the tenth tens of seconds, tenth of seconds. For that purpose alone, they're extremely handy as a training aid. Mm-hmm. And hey, it's going to. It's, it's going to allow me to shoot in the winter. You're going to go ahead and sign up and get yourself an account. And, and now you compete with other Mantis folks online. Already done. Gamer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. They're great I, training. I, I knew that was coming. Wonderful technology piece. But you have just taken the TV screen out of your game. That's all. Right. Well, the nice thing about it, especially with like the Mantis X you can still use it with live ammo and it's still going to diagnose and do everything that it does but you're you're still shooting live ammo. Oh, really? You can do it with live ammo. Yes. That's a change. I like it. Yeah. Um and and one of the things that they had there, they had uh air pistols. Okay. So CO2 cartridge air pistols that actually cycled so you had a recoil impulse, you had things like that going on. 
that to me was a game changer in in how to train, especially dry fire. Oh, absolutely. And you don't have to spend that expensive ammo. Right. Uh, I mean, the other thing that I I was able to secure was a secondary source of ammo, which has been, uh, since SHOT Show, has been my goal this year was to secure ammo. Ammo's been a problem for five years now. And you're finding reliable sources. You've got two now that are good. Yes. Nice. Yes. Uh, and that's that's going to be huge moving forward, especially as we we start pushing more this uh, avidity class, and we start pushing the the the, uh, the carbine build classes. So, let's give a shout out to your new source. Who is it? So it's the, they're called the Gun Food. Well, that makes sense. Um, I, I I have been getting from Rugged, and they've been great to work with. But having that secondary source just in case. Uh, the other advantage to the gun food is they are stocking precision rifle calipers. You have my attention. <laughs> uh, it was a pretty simple conversation when we talked about it. Uh, I talked to is Patrick Collins that I talked to over there, and he simply said, you give me the specs, I'll find you the ammo. Does he have access to Six Creed? Yes. Perfect. Brandy, you can stop shooting my shit now. <laughs> nope. God. Mine. Just give me the recipe. I've got the dies. Give me the recipe. Actually, I think I have the recipe because I, I think it's identical to my 6XC. Yeah, I went and grabbed my, my, uh, my stock of 6 Creed ammo the other day getting ready to go shoot, and I found a whole bunch of cases of empty brass. And then I remember Brandy got a hold of my ammo at Ballistic Summit last year, and uh, now I have none. Shoot yours first. I still have mine. <laughs> Isn't that how that always works? Of course. So I guess, I guess that's a new thing. I'm going to have to build a cage around my ammo shelves and lock it. Good luck with that. I can destroy a cage. Uh, I know. You're going to be out here you're gonna calling me up and asking me for the sledgehammer. I know where that's at. <laughs> can you reach it? I can drag a chair. <laughs> that gives me warning. Yes. You hear a chair sliding across the room. You are in trouble. So what do we got coming up? Uh, I know Brandy got a match coming up. What What do you have coming up here in the next? Well, I, I, I get to chaperone you teaching a class for me. That's this There's weekend. that. In um, the rain. Yeah. <laughs> Bring your ducky. We're going to go back out to TSI, and you're going to run a pistol optics class. You may have to borrow the canoe that you're building. Just okay. to get, you know, back and forth from the pistol range. I don't provide paddles. I might have That's a interesting. Do you have a popsicle stick? No, we're doing that, and then it, immediately, like the very next day, we are we are launching the Avidity Arms IDS class. That'll be the, the debut of that program. So you're doing that Sunday? We're doing that Sunday. Uh, who's in for that? In the rain. In the rain. Um, I've got, I actually have nine students in that class. Interesting. All right. You coming out for that one? Probably. <laughs> this is not the one I'm in, is it? No. No, okay, no, no, no. That's not till August. Oh, thank God. I, I'm not ready. <laughs> 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 I did, I did try to get, to get Rob out here to team teach this one, uh, because I thought it'd be a great opportunity with, you know, his program being his gun. Uh, and and he was all for it until he looked at his calendar. Uh, well, 
right now Rob's in North Carolina at the Avidity Arms crew, and I spent half my morning in text messages because he refuses to answer the phone, dealing with optics mounting and technical questions for his engineers because my prototype got it right, and other optics are struggling really, really hard to fit his pistol. Now, if you don't use industry standards, pistol maker, you're going to have a hard time getting optics that do use industry standards to fit. So about the texting thing, how long were his texts? Did you have to scroll or no? I did not have to scroll, but well, there then, was 9 million of them. Okay, but then that's a text conversation. If I have to scroll, yeah, call me. No, the text conversation with that many back and forth took four hours. The phone call could have took four minutes and we'd have been done. He didn't want to be done. He, he didn't want to talk to me. That's fine. Now, in his defense, I do believe they were doing testing on the range, so he probably wouldn't have been able to hear you anyway. If you're taking time out from the range to text me, you could pull the ears off, walk over, have a phone call, and then go back to work. I'm relatively certain Rob has an extra set of hands just for texting. So you're saying he's an octopus? Possibly. Nice. Handy for, you know, concealed carry. <laughs> That New York reload? That would be handy, actually, if you think about it. I need another set of hands. Maybe a little larger? Well, yeah, if I'm going to pick them, they're definitely going to be larger than these meat hooks. <laughs> wow, for the first time, Jason's got nothing. <laughs> no, that's not the first time. I'm sure I guarantee you it won't be the last. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I was in the car for 15 hours yesterday. Cry like a baby. I am. That's cool. I am. I have adjusted my my travel schedule. I will never again drive more than 12 hours in a day. Pretty sure I bruised my tailbone. Oh, Bleach your butt is real. <laughs> yeah. And the older you get, the worse it gets. No, it did work out though when uh, when I when I originally got all this it was like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to I'm going to make this blazing trip." And I and I originally talked about flying, but uh, fortunately, I was able to pick up another another class while I was there. It was about three hours away from the event, so uh, I went and did the event. I was able to go and do this class and come home, so everything kind of worked out. Nice. So when you did this extra class, was it in the right direction? Was it home? It was. It, it was. It was three hours closer to home. Nice. So that Progress. helped. That definitely helped because that was about uh, about where I ended up stopping for the night the first day traveling there, right? about that 15-hour mark, and went, I just can't do it no more. And with gas prices the way they are these days, you should have tried to schedule another one on the way. I, you know, I if I had been a little more on the ball, I probably could have, but I was also trying to get back here because I got to prep for the classes that I have this weekend, and I only have two days to do that. Sounds like you're whining. No. It Anna, looks like you're whining. Well, I, if I didn't have to do the stupid garden in the middle of it, too. Stupid garden? Yes. He likes groceries. Don't let him lie to you. Totally pulling his beets back out. Oh. They're his beets? He eats most of them. I'm just clarifying because I know the shit. They're not my beets. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with beets? I did Nothing. I just don't eat them. Apparently, they taste like dirt. Not when they're pickled. Right? I wouldn't know. I don't eat them. Give it a shot, crybaby. No, I don't think I will. I'm too old to learn new shit. 
It's going to be like feeding him and Lily. Try it. You might like it. Lily likes pickled beets. I know she does. Yeah, but I understand the definition of might. She has no idea what you're talking about. Eh, no. She doesn't care. She has teeth. And if it's real food, she's going to eat it. I'm not that old. I still have teeth. Well, I've heard that sneaks up on you, too. (laughs) Sadly true. Yes. So what else happened at this event? Before you wrap it up here and get too far out of the weeds. Um, you know, it's a standard, you know, it, it, I, and I shouldn't say standard. It, this is, this is definitely not a standard industry event. And, and I tell you what, for newer companies, newer people into the industry, uh, I would, I would say hands down that Kevin probably puts on one of the best events out there for business marketing, for networking, for, uh, you know, and and Kevin, this is a word that Kevin uses, and, and he quite well used. But cultivate relationships within the industry. Uh, you know, leverage your partners a little bit. When you work together and you bring something to the table, and everybody wins, we grow as an industry. And for the record, he is welcome because he got that everything that he does now from Summit. Right. He came out, saw how we did it, and then he put his flavor to it. And it's a successful event. Mm-hmm. Does well. Kevin is always going to do well in an event like that. He's a showman. He puts on a good event. He does. And the the people that he had there presenting, the instructors that he brought in to present the material, everybody there was top-notch and on their game. All right. So you had like 60 people there, you said. Mm-hmm. So having run events like this before and been around shooters, new, seasoned, doesn't really matter. How many folks did you have come out to a class in full kit? At one. It happens every time. Just I, one? At one. Was he a shooter or an instructor? He was a he's a USCCA instructor. So he's an instructor. Yeah. In full kit. Uh tack vest. Knee pads, helmet. No, just the tack vest. But uh, you know, in and deer shooter. When buying tactical gear, buy right and uh, cheaper than dirt. Sorry, guys, just not the place for it. But he's a USCCA instructor. Right. So by proxy, people were looking to him as to what to wear, what to do, how to do it. No. Good. Oh, God. Thank you. No. Um, (laughs) I I think they learned that actually the last event that I was at because I did see a lot of plate carriers and battle belts and that wasn't there this time. So more of a practical event it, this time. It, it was very practical. But there now has to be that one guy. Oh yeah, always. Okay, so guys out there, if you're going to a pistol class, there's no reason for a tack vest. If you're going to a multiple platform class like pistol carbine, all right, there may be cause for it. But if you're running to a security detail training, yeah, okay, there's reason for it. I get it. You need to train in the gear that you're going to be working in. Right. But as a guy that walks onto the range and you're pulling the gun up out of the box for the first time, taking the plastic off of it, leave the tack vest at home. Right. Hey, uh, there, there were, I mean, and there were several people that were running belts. I, I ran a belt. I usually do during a carbine class because I've got a lot of stuff that I need to have on me. You just want to be Batman. Uh, yes. Doesn't everybody? Not really. Dude, 
Batman really is Bruce Wayne. I want that. I want access to his money and his toys. I'd rather be Superman. Yeah. I mean, we're going to go back at it. I'm I'm scared of heights. (laughs) I don't have that problem. The flying thing would bother me. I'm not big enough to have enough inertia to hurt myself. (laughs) No, I... I think you are, but you, you, whenever you fall, it's from such a low height. It doesn't hurt. Right? <laughs> I'm just saying it's a win-win for me. Oh, yeah, win-win. But it was a good event, and, and you're right. Kevin does put on a good event, and and except for, for newer people coming into the industry, whether you are a gun store, a an, an ammo distributor, manufacturer, you're an educator. This event will do wonders for growing your business. But let me throw this caveat out there. If you go to this event, be prepared to work. Be prepared to learn the skills you need to grow your business, but you've got to come home and implement them. It does not It does you no good to listen to these speakers, and we had some super high-quality speakers there. It does you no good to get all of these guys' information who, by the way, are giving you this for free and they typically charge $500 an hour for it. And you don't go home and implement it. Active participation. Mm-hmm. It's a smart play. We've talked about it before. Now, while you were gone, Brandy received something in the mail, which she ordered because she was curious. And she ordered one of these neoprene Velcro girl gun hosters oh yes um how did that thing work out brandy review time well i'm i need to work with it some more i don't like how the gun has to be angled um i almost have to wear it below the waist anyway it's supposed to be around kind of the tummy um if i wear it there the way the holster is the gun's not comfortable so so we're back to wardrobe choice again, because you got to be able to get to it, right? This is a concealed carry belt. Yeah, and it also prints like a mother. Oh, so what you're telling me is you now is this is this because this is what you know what we've referred to before is a belly band. Yes. Um, was this specific to women? No. Or was it 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 so it's unisex? It's transgender. Okay, because my 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 question there was going I, where I was going was that was. Uh, because it doesn't look like it has any pockets either. It's a very well-armed spandex corset. Right. And I'll tell you what, the only company, and I will stand by this, the only company that's ever gotten that right is Dean Adams. Hmm, fair enough. I haven't seen one of theirs personally. I, I've seen this one that she got, and it means well. I I have seen the Dean Adams stuff, um, and I've, I know people that use it. Caitlin I've seen, uses that, yeah, right? Yeah, and I've actually had women come onto the range with it. It's right. It's it's designed right. It's built right, and the gun carries right. Now, a couple of years ago, sorry, got to got to throw you under the bus here, but they they came out with a men's line, and it's awful. Well, didn't Seinfeld do that first with the bro? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So same concept. We're not built that way. No. Body type matters. Typically. Gun matters. But in where you put it. I, I get the female clothing 
the waists are in the wrong spot. The, the construction of the pants are the wrong way to hold a inside the waistband holster. I get it. But you have to find a workable solution because being unarmed is not an option. Well, and putting it in a purse is a less That's dumb. Yeah. Unless you're going to beat the bad guy with the purse. I mean, it's about accessibility. You've got to be able to get to it, right? And if you're going to wear it and commit to wearing a concealed carry, it's got to be comfortable. Right. Right. And that's one of the things we always ask. Whenever we get people, especially in, like, our defensive pistol classes, we always ask them, okay, who has a concealed carry? Who carries every day? And it is actually rare that I get a hand stay up for both questions. It's a commitment. If you're going to do it, it's like your wallet and your pocket knife. It goes on at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, yeah, and you have to. And I always, yeah, people, and, and I get it. There's a lot of people that aren't allowed to carry at their work. Uh, there's a lot of companies that have that policy now. There are. I worked at a company that had a policy very similar that they went further and said it couldn't be in your vehicle in their parking lot. So... When this policy came out, I went down to HR and I said, that's fantastic. It's your company. I work here. I'll abide by your rules. But you have to understand that your rules have consequences too, which means if something were to happen to me between my home, work, and back home, because by your rule and condition of my employment, you're robbing me of my Second Amendment right to constitutionally be armed, you're responsible for my well-being. And we have case law now that shows that a lot of these companies that have those policies are rethinking their policy. Well, they have to because they went to their, their you know, 10th floor full of lawyers and the lawyers went, all right, so we're going to get sued. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and you're absolutely right. And, and, it, and at this point, it's not a matter of if, it's kind of when. The world's getting scarier every day. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And we talked about that a lot. And I, I, although I did find out that I have one of the scariest devices known to man. You push a button, it goes beep. It just erases your mind of everything you were just told instantly. <laughs> it comes back. You remember what you were supposed to do after everybody's laughing at you. Right. But there's a frequency there that just interrupts the brainwaves. I think that's what they did. And they, they put that stupid thing at that frequency. It's like the brown note. Except it all falls out of your head. Right. It, it, it equally as dangerous as the brown note. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> I think we'll let you guys get out of here for the week. He's had enough of me for tonight. No, 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 no. But we will see you guys next week. And until then, just keep blaming the gun. <laughs> <laughs>